steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guest. And today we are taking a long look at your Minnesota Vikings matchup with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, should be a pretty good one on paper. Uh, obviously, the Seahawks coming in as one of the better teams in the NFL right now, and the Vikings having just coming off their first win of the season. But uh, there are some areas where the Vikings might be able to exploit on this Seattle team. Um, there are reasons to be optimistic, I suppose. And then there's obviously one big reason why you should be pessimistic about this game. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll spend enough time talking about uh, Russell Wilson on this show. So um, let's just get right into it here. Um, and let's start Let's start with Russell Wilson, actually, because I really think that he is the focus here, right? Uh, he has been a, you know, a problem for the Vikings basically since he's came into the league. Um, in different capacities, different scenarios, but um, Minnesota has always had a problem with Russell Wilson, and really, I don't want to say it's you know for the first time, but because of how well he's played throughout his entire career, but for the first time, it really seems like he's given everyone in the NFL fits, uh, and he looks like a bona fide MVP candidate and probably of the front runner by a wide margin through a quarter of the season. Yeah, I mean, we're two minutes, three minutes into the show, and I'm going to say let Russ cook. I didn't, didn't, it's not going to take long for that to, to get, get out there because it's, it's finally <laughs> happening, right? Like the Seattle offense forever has been, you know, run the ball as much as possible. Um, right. And that's not the case so far this year. And, you know, Russell Wilson is showing he, sh- he should be a featured quarterback in a pass heavy offense. Right. Um, and that's maybe the, the one thing that's been holding it back is that, um, you know, Seattle's been a run-heavy team for really his entire career. So mm-hmm. uh, he's kind of being featured as a pass-heavy quarterback, and it's showing. And, you know, he's he's an MVP candidate, if not the MVP right now in the NFL. Uh, there's probably four guys you could put in that category, and Russ is certainly in, in there. Uh, you know, 16 touchdowns, two picks, uh, over 75% completion, yeah. 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns in four games. I mean, that's mad you numbers. can't ask. That's, yeah, you can't ask for much <clears throat> more than that. And I mean, he's over 11 adjusted yards per attempt, 9.4 in the standard yards per attempt department. Like the guy's as efficient as any quarterback really has ever been in NFL right now. So, and he's got, of course, we'll touch on the receivers, but mainly, you know, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, those guys are going to be huge problems for this Viking secondary. Absolutely. You know, you look at just the volume numbers that Russell Wilson is putting up this year. I don't think that anyone thought in the past that he wasn't capable of this type of production, but you're right. I mean, the transition to being a more pass heavy attack on offense has dramatically changed, you know, the perception of Russell Wilson as a quarterback or at least through a quarter of this year. Right. Um, you know, we're talking about a guy who has never had never got an MVP vote, which sounds very strange now, especially considering that he's won a Super Bowl, been to two of them, had you know plenty of very successful regular seasons. But uh, this seems to be the year, right? The you know Lamar Jackson's had his moment, Patrick Mahomes has had his moment. You know, you might get some voter fatigue in there as well, and then you take off you know 
take off the start of the season the way that Russell Wilson has with, you know, the most touchdown passes through four games. Um, and it's easy to see why he is, you know, considered to be among the very best in the league at the position right now. Now, what you touched on there with Metcalf and Lockett is interesting because I was going to say kind of on the flip side of that is like, yes, you do have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett who are both probably a little bit underrated, but for the most part, he's doing this with an array of players who are not considered to be top at their position. Let's just put it that way, right? Like Greg Olson was an outstanding tight end for many years at this point in his career. Safe to say he's probably outside the top 12, top 15. Uh, Will Disley and Luke Wilson who are, and Jacob Hollister, who all have seen time over the last couple of years and in this season as well. Solid players, not studs by any means, just solid tight ends that get you you know, quality production, catch the ball when you don't need to move the chains when you need him to. And then the receivers, you know, outside of those two guys, Metcalf, who's a second rounder last year, Lockett, who is arguably the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL right now. Um, you've got David Moore, Penny Hart, and Freddie Swain, who are all, you know, again, David Moore, solid player. The other two, not very familiar faces, I imagine, for the most of our listeners. So Wilson is doing this. Not with the guys that Peyton Manning did it with, right? Not, no, mm-hmm. not Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker. You know, this is a. These are two. One is a, you know, a, a phenomenal route runner, but undersized. And then DK Metcalf, still a sophomore of the league, got a little bit of work to do in terms of being, you know, a fundamental route runner and uh, getting out of breaks efficiently. But one of the best vertical threats in the league, I suppose. But my point being here is Russ is absolutely cooking. And he's doing so without a, an all-star cast, if you will. Yeah, they're not superstars. Uh, I think DK is, has that potential, I think, for sure. You know, he, he, that kind of speed and that kind of size in one person uh, at receiver right. shouldn't – yeah, it shouldn't be fair. Well, it's, it's not fair. It shouldn't be allowed, is what I'm saying. And they're taking advantage of it. I don't think they used it as much as they maybe would have liked to last year. And now, you know, through – what are we at? Four games. He's got 400 yards on 16 catches, which quick math, that's 25 yards a catch. Uh, so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And so that's the type of thing where, you know, the Vikings have been beat deep a couple times this year. Yeah. Um, and you, you can't, you don't really know who to put on DK because he's a big, huge guy. Vikings, you know, they're, they're, it's gotta they're, be camera they're dance tallest. Like- their tallest corner isn't super fast, right? Dantzler. He's not super right. fast. Uh, and then you put, if you want to go speed, you get a smaller guy like Hughes if he's healthy or, uh, you know. So there's not a big, there's not a right way to do this. I think you just kind of have to pick your poison uh, with this guy. Maybe it's going to end up being, you know, help over the top and then kind of let Russ get his underneath with probably Lockett right. more, uh, the tight ends. And that's, I, I mean, there's not really a formula that's going to work, but given the Vikings personnel and given how well Russ and that passing offense is doing as it expands. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is going to be a game where to me, the only chance the Vikings have of winning is to win in a shootout, right? Because we'll get, and we'll get to the defense here in a moment, but Seattle's defense has some question marks and Jamal Adams was just noted as being out a couple minutes before we started recording this show. So there are holes there that Kirk Cousins can exploit. I mean, we've seen this offense put up 30 points a couple times already this season. We know they have the potential to be efficient. Just how efficient can you be? And can you keep up with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks offense? 
given what you know we're talking about right now. Now, if there is a weakness, like a defined weakness, weakness on Seattle's offense, it is their offensive line. Still, right? Uh, you've got a couple of really nice pieces. You know, I love Dwayne Brown. I think he's one of the best tackles in the game. But outside of him, you see an up. You've seen a rookie performer in Damian Lewis, who has been a little bit up and down. Um, I believe he was more shaky in pass protection and a better run blocker. Then you've got Ethan Pochich, who's a second-year player out of LSU, also a little bit kind of up and down. And Brandon Shell on the right side is not going to blow any minds. Uh, just a, you know, kind of a guy there at right tackle. So that's kind of what you got there. And then you've also got the veteran Mike Upati is the fifth piece that I didn't mention. So that's your front five. You've got really good blindside protection, and you've got you know. I want to say that Russell Wilson probably has the best pocket presence in the NFL, so he's able to kind of alleviate the issues that may come as a result of having a substandard offensive line. But if there is one area to do it, it's probably that right side of the offensive line. And if mm-hmm. you can get through to those guys and you can stop the run, because, well, Chris Carson is battling through injury right now after that ridiculous play that happened in Dallas. And Carlos Hyde isn't, you know, he's, I'm not afraid of Carlos Hyde anymore. I really never was, to be honest with you. So if it's Chris, if it's going to be Chris Carson playing injured, this is all about stopping Russell Wilson. And if you could try to break down that off the right side of that offensive line early, uh, put your team in a position where they could compete to, you know, see who could score 38 points first, essentially. See the the roster makeup, the the makeup of the offense is similar to Houston um, a little bit. We got a mobile quarterback who is not afraid to get out of the pocket, extend plays and kind of make the big play happen. I think Russ is a bit smarter in that he'll take the check down when it's there. Whereas Deshaun Watson will kind of just, you know, hope and, and uh, hold the ball forever until something happens down the field. But um, there is that sort of element where both guys are more than willing to escape and extend the play. You have speed at receiver, uh, you know, of course, Metcalf and Lockett last week in Fuller uh, stills, Randall Cobb, these guys, that uh, you know are have solid route running ability in addition to the speed, and then the offensive line isn't exactly awesome. With you know you have a solid pass protector on the left tackle spot, right? Um, and what the Vikings did there was they moved Ngakwe to the left side uh, to kind of create that matchup with the right tackle there. And so I would imagine that they'll do that with Shell uh, this week as well. And you know it's working. Ngakwe is up to four sacks this year, and I would imagine that matchup's going to be created again this week. So that's and again, it's it's still going to be about keeping Russ in there, and and I think the Vikings have done that historically the last couple of matchups with Seattle. Uh, you know, it's been about the Vikings' offense not showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings' defense still. Now this is a completely different season with new personnel, so things could be different. But um, you know, Russ is still certainly a threat to be reckoned with. If if probably if not the biggest quarterback threat, uh, the most dangerous quarterback threat in the NFL, it's certainly he's certainly up there as one of the best. So. I would imagine Gak will move to that side and match up with Shell, or they'll try to get that match up there. That might be the best way to kind of contain things and create some maybe some sacks or some mistakes by the Seahawks offense. Right. And that's really all you could pray for with Russell Wilson, right? I mean, I feel like he's the type of guy where if you get out with, you know, 250 yards passing allowed and like only one or two touchdowns, I feel like you won the fight. Like, those that are would great be numbers. Awesome. Those That'd are great awesome. numbers for most quarterbacks, but for Russell Wilson, if I told you that he's going to throw one touchdown on Sunday and he's going to throw for 250 yards passing, I feel like most Vikings fans would take that given his status, the way he has cemented himself in the NFL, than just the level of player that he is. So, you know, that's 
not out of reason, but I, I again, I'm going to get back to this. I think this is an epic shootout waiting to happen because the Vikings defense is not good. I mean, we can we can jump around all we want here and try to find little pieces where the Seahawks offense might be vulnerable against the Vikings defense. But end of the day, the Vikings have a top five worst defense in the NFL right now across most standards. I mean, of course, there are a couple of them with the third downs and things like that, which are nice situationally. But as a whole, this is not a good defense, at least to date. OK, so to me. The Seahawks are going to find some way to exploit that. I don't care if it is Chris Carson or if it's Russell Wilson. They're going to find a way to exploit this defense. Pete Carroll's a great coach. You know, they do a great job setting up matchups that they can win and getting one-on-ones across the board. This is just a dangerous offense. I don't have much confidence in the Vikings to stop it completely. Now, flipping over to the other side of the football now, I have a lot more confidence in the Vikings offense to exploit this defense. Now, there are some stars from kind of the Legion of Boom era that have carried over. And there are a couple of nice pieces that have been jumped, you know, added over the last couple of years or so. But for the most part, again, this is a substandard defense, especially relative to Seattle standards. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you saw uh, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, you know, the kind of the core guys at linebacker. Uh, but other than that, really, it's been all kinds of turnover uh, since, you know, those elite Seattle defense days. Uh and so you're, I, it's very vulnerable. And rank, I mean, you look at Seattle's performance defensively this year. They're, I believe, they're last in yards allowed. They're last in uh, passing yards allowed, and you know, net yards per attempt allowed. They're 28th. Uh, so there's, you know, it's not just garbage time. You know, accumulation of yards against them. It's average yards allowed per play. Average yards allowed uh, in the past game. They're they're not good. They're not. And I think they're to their, you know, the one thing they have going for them right now is that Russ just seems to be able to outscore the quarterbacks that they've played thus far. So, um, and to, to that point, you know, they haven't played any, like, I mean, besides the Dak Prescott game week three, they've played the Falcons. They've played the Patriots. They've played the Dolphins. And for what it's worth, they put up 30 points in all those games. So this is going to be a shootout. I can't imagine they'll struggle to put up 30 points against the Vikings. Uh, yeah. given those defenses there. So this is going to be a big test for, you know, Kirk Cousins. Can you keep up with perhaps the best quarterback in the game right now in Russell Wilson? And this is the game that you're paid this much money. We can go down that conversation, but it's primetime game. Season's on the line in, in some aspects against a, an MVP candidate. You got to show up here. Absolutely. And that's, that's the central question here of, you know, at least of this portion of the podcast for sure but really for this entire for this entire game if i get a good answer to this question can kirk keep can kirk keep up i'll feel good about this game but i don't know the answer to that question and we can go i mean we can go through the rest of this defense here and i'm still probably not going to know an answer to that question because i just don't trust kirk cousins consistency at this point but you look at this defense on paper right everything we're doing here to prep for this game is a matter of how does it look on paper? You've got LJ Collier, Puna Ford, Jaron Reed, and Benson Mayawa are your defensive line for the Seattle Seahawks. Okay? I don't think anyone listening to this show right now when I listed those names got scared. Right? You probably know Puna Ford. He's one of the best cloggers in the NFL playing at nose tackle. You probably know Jaron Reed because he had a couple of, you know, very nice plays early in his career and also a prolific college career. And then you probably know LJ Collier because it's the first-round pick, but he was also probably a first-round pick that many people scratched their head at. 
So that's your front four right now for this 4-3 defense. You'd like to think that the Vikings offensive line would be able to give Kirk Cousins enough time just based off looking at that unit, their production over the course of their careers, and kind of the way they match up with the Vikings deficiencies, which really are at that guard spot right now. Right. That's exactly it. And it's about, you know, I, I, as far as I know, I think it was um, you know, Dakota Dozier, right, as that left guard. And then uh, at right guard, you have Drew Samia, who I'm pretty sure is the last ranked PFF player on offense of the entire season. He's right, uh, he's right six, there. Out of 673 players to have an offensive snap, I'm pretty sure he's at the, the bottom. Uh, so there's, I mean, clearly room for improvement there, but I think this is a unit that you can, I don't want to say get right game, uh, but it's something along those lines where you have an opportunity to um, kind of like, you know, bounce back uh, after a kind of a rough first quarter of the season, so to speak. And I think the Seahawks will provide that here. So, yeah, I, you know, there's there's some flashes with this group. But there's definitely the potential for a younger, inexperienced group of guards, especially. But also Bradbury to solidify his improving sophomore season. And then O'Neal and Reef to have a solid performance here and give Kirk the time needed to keep up in a shootout. Absolutely. And then you look at that second level, right? This is where the superstars are and have been for quite some time. Bobby Wagner, of course, one of the best middle linebackers over the last decade, period. Um, flows sideline to sideline as well as anyone, comes up and makes a tackle as anyone. As sure of a tackler, period, as you will see in the NFL today. Um, and K.J. Wright right next to him has really stepped up his game and has been one of the best players in this defensive unit this year. Um, you know, I remember right during the Legion of Boom era was kind of an overlooked player. He's become more of a foundational piece on this defense in the most recent years. Also a very sure tackler and a guy that you can ask a lot of on from that outside position at linebacker. And then the final piece there is Cody Barton. And then, of course, Shaquem Griffin, who rotates in every now and then, but really doesn't have much of a role on this defense. Let's be real here. Uh, that is your mid-level. So clearly the most dangerous part of this unit, right? I mean, you've got to find a way to get away from Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. And yet those guys seem like they're all over the place every single game, regardless of the team they're playing. Yeah, that's going to be the that's going to be fun to watch, actually, because again, Vikings like to run, uh, you know, the outside zone stuff with Dalvin and try to get him around the corner a lot. Uh, and Bobby Wagner is the, probably the best linebacker in football at tracing those plays down. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, cause the Vikings, as far as I'm aware, I'm uh, they are the, you know, most run heavy team in kind of neutral situations. Right. So when the game's sort of in the balance uh, still competitive, you know, early downs, they are the most run heavy team in the NFL. And I get it with Dalvin cook. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, when you have a guy that you just paid a bunch of money to, you want to feed him. But this is a game where I think you want to take advantage of the secondary and maybe a weaker pass rush. Take advantage of this Seattle secondary that has been destroyed all year rather than try to, you know, with Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright flowing sideline to sideline, like you said. And they might have a better be able to better combat the outside zone stuff that's been so successful for Minnesota. Uh, so I would now, I kind of want to personally for entertainment purposes, see a shootout here. And so I kind of, you know, that'd be great to, to get Kubiak to open things up a little bit more for Kirk. It doesn't seem like his DNA to do that. Uh, but I do think it would benefit the Vikings a lot more if he went more heavy play action and more kind of let Kirk cook, if you will. Well, I don't think he's going to have much of a choice. I can totally see the Vikings opening up this game with, you know, their, their initial strategy being to run the football, as they always try to do. 
But I think that literally after the first Seattle drive, they're going to have to change their plan. That's just yeah. kind of the perception that I have of this game. I fully expect Russell Wilson to go down and score his first drive. And if the Vikings aren't, you know, attempting to play side by side with them the entire game and they give them a jump start by trying to run their, you know, an offense that is going to bleed the clock, sure, but I just don't think it's efficient enough for what, you know, the Vikings are going to need this Sunday, right? So you look at this sec- we just discussed the second level of this defense, right? You look at the secondary now. Now, Jamal Adams isn't going to be there, right? I mentioned earlier he was ruled out. That was Adam Schefter reported. He is not playing on Sunday. That leaves you with a secondary of Quentin Dunbar, Shaquille Griffin. Those are your two cornerbacks, Griffin being the the more um, consistent and better rated of the two, if you're a PFF person. And then you got Quandry Diggs, who has not had a good season at all to date. Um, He's a bigger name, I suppose, but um, not a good year to date. And then Ryan Neal was the safety who filled in for Jamal Adams last week when he was injured. So that's the group that you're going to be playing against. Um, If you're playing a quarterback as much as you're paying Kirk Cousins, I feel like you have to be confident and you have to attack that unit because for what it's worth, too, Shaquille Griffin is the only one that's consistent in coverage, right? Diggs can hurt you because he's a gambler. He's got that Marcus Peters gene. He'll attack the football if it's in his general area. But that also leads to humongous mistakes as well, which Seattle has, you know, had a problem with basically all year, starting with, you know, Dak Prescott. So you have to assume that Kirk Cousins can keep up. It's just will, and that's your question right there, will Gary Kubiak allow this to happen? If Trey Flowers is on the field, you have to attack that guy because he's been terrible all season long. These are just facts from the first quarter of the year. We have data to work with now. You can't play like this is 1950 next week, or excuse me, this weekend. Otherwise, you're going to lose. You can't, like, this can't be a 60-40 offense in favor of the run this week. And really, it shouldn't be ever. But again, we get that with Dalvin Cook being such a great playmaker. You're not going to win that way this week. You've got to air it out. You have to beat the secondary, and you have to find a way to neutralize those guys in the middle. And the best way to do that is with, like you said, getting them to bite on play action, forcing them to kind of mellow out in the middle and not being able to step up, and just making sure that when you throw deep or when you're throwing 20, 30-yard passes in the air, you got to hit some of those. you got to make that defense fear you. You need to have that second that safety over the top at all times, and that's how the Vikings are going to win. It's going to be Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson – and if they can keep up with DK Metcalf and Tyler Blockett, and I don't hate their chances, Vikings have a good chance to compete for a victory this weekend against a very good team. Yeah, well, and if you, you mentioned PFF, uh, if we're talking PFF, Vikings have the top two graded receivers so far through four weeks. That gives them a significant advantage over Seattle's corners. And, well, Seattle's secondary in general, especially with Jamal Adams, uh, you know, unable to play, absolutely let Kirk cook just as much as let Russ cook in this game. It should be a fun shootout. That's what I think it's the best chance for the Vikings to win. Probably the best chance for Seattle to win too. So uh, that's it's, (laughs) this should be a fun game. Now I do have doubts about Kubiak opening it up a little bit. And I know Zimmer especially too, doesn't like to be in shootouts. That's not his game. That's not his forte. These guys, you know, if they're caught in a shootout, that's probably not how they want to play the game. And so, it, which is interesting because I think we're both in the agreement that the you know the way for the Vikings to win this game is to open it up with the two stud receivers, 
Right. Uh, let Kirk throw a little bit because he has been great this season. I mean, it, he really has besides that Colts game, besides a couple of plays in that Titans game that, uh, you know, probably could have decided that game in a better favor for the Vikings. But at, in terms of accuracy, throwing the ball from the pocket, Kirk's been pretty solid. And I think you got to let him take advantage of that, take advantage of a weak pass rush, take advantage of a weak secondary with the top two graded receivers by PFF in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, I think we're, we're on the same page that this is going to come down to which team gets to 35, 38, somewhere in that range, right? Uh, first, and, you know, which defense can go keep the other offense off the board. Um, for me personally, you know, I think this – I think the Vikings are just going to come too late. I think the the onslaught of offense, they're going to realize too late. For whatever reason, you know, I think that you can pick up on the fact that Seattle's probably going to score a lot of points. The people listening to the show and planning on watching this game on Sunday, I feel like all of you can pick up on the fact that Seattle's going to score a lot of points this weekend. I just feel like the Vikings just never quite get that in time. Like, they'll get to, like, the beginning or they'll have wasted 15, 15 minutes trying to play, you know, a run-heavy offense, which, again, has had some success. But by that point, they could be down 14-3. to three, And by that point, it might just be too late. So, mm-hmm. to me, that's what this one comes down to. And we can kind of lead this one into our picks for the week, uh, starting with the Vikings game. Because, I, I mean, that's what it comes down to for me, is I don't think the Vikings are going to be able to catch up fast enough once Russell Wilson gets going. So, I have, the, I have Seattle winning this week against the Vikings. Um, I, I've got, I'm going to take them by about 10 points. Can you, you can just see this blueprint playing out, right? You know, the Seahawks got out to a hot start. Uh, Vikings maybe have one or two drives where they, it's just they're kind of clunkers. And that seems to be the case, actually, in this season. Packers game early on, they had a couple clunker drives that really killed the entire game. Right. And you could say the same thing about the Titans game, sort of in the second half, actually. Uh, and it seems like you can just see that playing out. The Seattle gets off to a hot start offensively because we're playing, you know, it's Russell Wilson. He's cooking. He's playing against his Viking secondary. And it'll be, you know, 20 to 7 in, this, in the third quarter. Vikings start to creep in. They give you some hope on a touchdown drive. Right. And uh, right. it's one of those where Kirk's going to amass some garbage time numbers, end up losing by 8 to 10 points. You know, something that's a little over a touchdown. Uh where the Vikings have some hope in the second half, but it was essentially over early on when Russ kind of uh, came out of the gates hot. So I got Seattle winning. It's going to be something like uh, 40 to 30, 41 to 31. I don't know. A lot of points are going to be scored. Take the over. <laughs> All right, then. Um, I, I, for some reason, we failed to mention the fact the Vikings are playing on Sunday night football, too, which, of course, is going to garner attention for Kirk Cousins not being able to play on the big stage, right? Um Fortunately, we skipped over that part because I think you've heard that narrative enough times. Um, yep. Let's uh, let's jump into the rest of our picks here. So both Drew and I are going with Seattle this weekend over your Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the, the first game here on the docket for tomorrow evening or tonight, if you're listening on Thursday, uh, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading to Chicago to face the Nick Foles-led Bears. Uh, who you got in this one? I got Tampa Bay. Uh Brady looked pretty solid last week, I think, against a solid defense in the Chargers. The Bears mm-hmm. look bad. They look bad. I can't believe, like, it's it was weird to look at them with a 3-0 record on the little graphic against the Colts. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. They're you got gonna... that one right, by the way. We called that shot. Like, if you listen to last week's preview show, what we said about the Indianapolis-Chicago game was right on point. They fell apart oh, yeah. against the first good defense they played. I mean, I don't know how popular our take was, but I feel like it was a really easy one to see coming. So right. anyway, I'm going to keep that one, that mantra going this week. I got the Bucks. 
Yep, I'm going with the Buccaneers as well. Uh, again, I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady. I mean, they were down, what, 17 yes, last week, and they found a way to come back and win by about 10, something like that, right? Uh, I'm going to take Tom Brady for the foreseeable future. This offense can hum um, even without Chris Godwin playing this week. I just saw that news too. So um, <clears throat> next one here, Carolina is facing off against Matt Ryan and Atlanta, who, of course, lost again last week. Yeah. I, I'm going to take the Panthers. Uh, Atlanta just, uh, I don't know how Dan Quinn still is coaching there. And I can't, I can't imagine it's going to be much longer. So I'm taking Carolina. It seems like they at least have a mission and like a, a structured like goal and mindset. Whereas it seems like the Falcons are just kind of there just to get their paychecks every week. I completely agree with you. And it sucks because Atlanta has so much talent and every week you see a glimpse of it, but then like a, like, there's a blind spot. Like, Calvin Ridley, zero targets last week? What? Like, how does that happen? That one's with Julio leaving the game. <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, there, it, Atlanta is just a permanent blind spot for me. I'm going to take Carolina in this game. Teddy Bridgewater's been okay. Um, Mike Davis, who's filled in for Christian McCaffrey for our fantasy football players out there. My God. He's been, he's been a revelation. Running, back. <laughs> don't. running backs don't matter. Don't pay running backs. <laughs> Mike Davis is doing... I, I mean, it's seemingly as much as McCaffrey would be doing, but basically, yeah. Um, all right, so we're both on Carolina. Moving forward here, uh, this game is potentially being played under protest. Buffalo at Tennessee. The Bills are not happy with the Titans, who apparently have broken some COVID rules, which has led to a positive test and then a flurry of positive tests. And now the Bills are talking about that fact they don't feel safe playing. And I don't blame them, but we're still going to pick this game anyway. Who do you got, Josh so, Allen? or the COVID-infested Tennessee Titans? So I'm going to pick the Bills partly because, it, well, okay, A, if the Titans actually play this game, if this game's actually played, there's going to be a slew of Titans players that are unable to play, and key ones at that. Right. Uh, B, or two, number two, I don't know if I said A or one, but <laughs> the next point uh, is that if this game, you know, there, it seems like there's a lot of rumors being talked about where the Titans at the forfeit. I'm not about to pick the Titans if that's happening. So give me the bills. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to say right now that counts, uh, you know, if it's a forfeited game. Yeah. Well, I'm taking Buffalo as well. Um, I would have taken them regardless of the protocol violations, just all the dumb stuff that Tennessee is doing. Um, I think it, if, if there's no COVID positive tests at all involved, uh, Titans going off that three Oh start, I'm picking the Titans in this game, but Everything, all the circumstances considered, you got to take the Buffalo. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bills. Circumstances considered, also the fact that they're cooking. Josh Allen looks really nice, and they're doing a good job yeah. offensively. Stephon I think Diggs. They, yeah, still killing it. So I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills as well, um, which brings us to Las Vegas going up against Kansas City. Both of us have um, said that we're going to pick Kansas City until we're, there's a yep. reason not to. I don't think that this game changes anything. They were they looked ugly for about two and a half quarters last week. But they still uh, won offensively. But they yeah. won by 16. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> so Kansas City once again for both of us. Um, Arizona kind of sliding a little bit. Not not playing their best football the last two weeks. Uh, I feel like they had two winnable matchups against what was it Detroit and then Carolina last week. Mm-hmm. Now they have a what an on paper easy one and the New York Jets. Does Ari- do Arizona get it done this week? Cardinals. Yeah, you have to you have to just because it's the Jets. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, to your point, I don't really know how to feel about the Cardinals right now because they had two impressive wins early on. Now 
you know, those two, the two last losses the last two weeks, it's kind of really drained my perception of them. So I don't know. I mean, I'm going to pick them over the Jets, but uh, I don't know. That, that'll be a fun one to look at down the road. Yeah. Um, also, Joe Flacco is playing this week. So definitely. Oh, man. Murray Could you think of two Jared more different Marcus. quarterbacks against, going against each other? <laughs> Kyler Murray and Joe Flacco. Yeah. They're polar opposites in every facet of life, pretty much. Honestly, <laughs> not just football, like life. Um, all right. The next one here. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are facing off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who you got in this one? Taking Pittsburgh. Uh, although Philly, you know, that was kind of a gritty win against the Niners uh, the other night. But uh, I'll take the Steelers just because I still I don't quite buy the Eagles even after that game. I, I'm not going to buy the Eagles playing terrible for three weeks and then getting uh, a win over a depleted San Francisco team that Correct. Nick Mullins had to give way to C.J. Beathard, who almost got them a win. I'm not. I'm By the way, not under one and a half touchdown passes for Nick Mullins, easy bet. Could be, you know why that hit? Because the Ayuk touchdown was counted as a run. Yep. Only way, only reason that hit. <laughs> and of course he got benched. So yep, he did. that's a win. Vegas knows something. Uh, but I'm going with Pittsburgh as well. I think they're the easy pick in this one. Um, next one here is the Rams are facing off against now the Kyle Allen-led Washington team. Um, I imagine that doesn't change. Why is, why is Alex Smith not playing? Like I, what? I think he's. It, I think he's really still hurt. I mean. I don't know. He's but he's but they lifted him to number two. Like Haskins is three now, the number three quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. I I mean I don't know who I don't I don't remember which team you said is playing Washington. The Rams. The Rams. Yeah. Taking them. It seems like a fa- safe pick. Um, I'm going with the Rams as well. Uh, next one here we've got an AFC South. No, not South. Wow. West Central. I don't know. North. AFC Central. North matchup here. Uh, <laughs> Tell me what teams they are, and I'll let you, I'll help you out. Cincinnati and Baltimore. Yeah, AFC North. There you go. <laughs> Who you got in this one? Uh, Mark Jackson Baltimore. and Joe Burrow. It's a fun one, no matter what. Just I'll take I'll take Baltimore. I wanted I wanted to take Joe Burrow, but uh, I'll hold off on my on the hype a little bit more. Yeah, I'm gonna I have to wait a little bit longer as well. He's been good. He's been, not been great. Lamar Jackson is still great. I'm gonna take Baltimore. They're the more complete team. They're ready to ready to win a Super Bowl. If Kansas City didn't exist for that, for that matter, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, next one here, Jacksonville faces off against Houston, which two of probably the biggest dumpster fires right now in the NFL. This is the dumpster fire yeah. off. So Bill O'Brien for Houston, yes. Jacksonville, all their players have left the organization, pissed off. Um, we got in this one. I don't know what to do. So this is a this is if a the game. If Bill O'Brien had not been fired, I would have picked Jacksonville. But I think the Texans are going to ride off of that like recent fired coach like yeah, attitude that always seem to get. So I'm going to take the Texans here. Yep, I'm going to go with the Texans as well. Uh, I'm literally do I'm picking them for the exact same reason that you are. Just because Bill O'Brien's gone, they're going to find a way to win. JJ Watt's mm-hmm. happy. He's going to get like four sacks. That's I don't know. It's football's weird. I think that that's the safe pick here is to take Houston, the team with the fired coach. Um, the next one here, Miami uh, refusing to let Tua Tagovailoa play. It will be Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. once again. And this quarterback matchup against San Francisco now, I don't know if it's who it's been announced, but it's either C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, or Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, a matchup of Titans, I suppose. Um, who you got in this one? I'm going to take the Niners. Uh, I, I can't tell if 
their losses the last couple weeks have been just injuries, and once they're healthy, they'll be fine, or if there's something to be concerned about I think for them that. moving forward. But well, I'll take the Niners, uh, at least against the Dolphins here. Yeah, I think that this is a safe one to pick the Niners on. They're the better football team if they're fully healthy, and I think they're still the better football team, despite missing half their secondary, a couple of their big offensive playmakers. Ayuk, uh, who you just mentioned before, awesome playmaker. They can get by mm-hmm. with that and, uh, and uh, Gritty Kittle um, for at yeah. least another week or so until they get Mostert and some of the other guys back. Um, all right, so San Francisco for both Drew and I. Uh, next one here in Indianapolis at Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland looks fun. They're real. They're 3-1. and one. They're two games above 500. Odell Beckham is scoring touchdowns in a variety of different ways. Baker Mayfield looks competent. I don't want to say good, but competent. Um, and then you've got the apparently the best running back situation ever because Nick Chubb goes down. You don't miss a beat with Kareem Hunt. And then you've got also uh, Ernest something. Johnson. Uh, Johnson. Yeah, of course. Um, and he's playing well, too. So, I mean, this they're humming on offense and they're OK on defense. Good for Kevin Stefanski. Does he get it done against the Colts? He does. He does. Now, the Colts defense is, I think, elite at this point. Uh, now, I don't think the competition they've played is any good. Uh, yeah, they played the Jets. They played the Bears. They played the Jags. Us. They played the Vikings. They've, <laughs> yeah, so that's maybe a testament to the, the opponents that they've played. But I think the Browns, they're fun. And I liked rooting for them, and I want them to be good because I think it would be more entertaining when the Vikings are not in the playoffs and the Browns are 10 and six and are in a wild card game, and Kevin Stefanski is coaching them. So uh, I'm going to pick the Browns. Yep, I'm going to pick the Browns as well. I just don't like the Colts. I don't know what it is. I think it's their team colors or just the fact that they're Colts. Colors. I just don't like. I find them hard to root. Safety roads. That's what it is. It, it really isn't. Like it's it's not personal at all. But I mean that is annoying. But like. <laughs> I just don't like the Colts. Um, I do like the Browns. I think they're fun. I'm excited. To see, I, I would love to see the Browns go 10-6, and six, find a way to sneak in, and then get blown away in the first round of the playoffs. Like, that's what football is all about. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, last three on the docket here. We've got the Giants and Cowboys, which, you know, we've seen how they play. Uh, both of these teams have played this year. It, this I mean, is the afternoon slot. Yeah, on the, on the schedule. Gosh, I mean, I obviously, I mean, obviously, you like you think, no doubt, Dallas is the more talented team. I'm gonna pick the Giants here because I want to. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. How about you? Mike McCarthy should be fired if he loses this game. Uh, I'm gonna take the Cowboys. I don't. I mean, I'm not gonna be confident in picking the Cowboys at any point the rest of the season. Uh, I can't. <sighs> McCarthy and Jason Garrett are the same. Are they not? They're the same. They hired they hired the same guy, just a different name and a little bit fatter. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah, I'm taking the Giants. I mean, if the Giants are going to win a game, it's going to be within the division against a team that's real. And, dude, I would love to see Mike McCarthy get get fired after five weeks. I'm here yeah. for that. That sounds hilarious. I mean, I don't, I'm sure Jerry Jones would take that well. He hired this new coach, come in with his – he's exactly. got an elite roster built, come in and you're one and four after losing to the New York I think you contract, too. <laughs> so I, I never want to see anyone get fired, but McCarthy's won a Super Bowl. He's made enough money. Well, I know what would be actually awesome is a tie because you want as many ties in this NFC East division as possible because <laughs> I want like five wins to win that division. <laughs> so yeah, ridiculous. All right. 
Um, I'm on the Giants, Drew, sticking with the Cowboys. Uh, the last two, Denver at New England. I don't know who's starting for Denver, Denver at quarterback, but it's not Drew Locke. And I don't know who's starting at for New England because <laughs> Cam Newton hasn't passed a test, and they just played two quarterbacks. Hoyer didn't look good. Stidham had some issues. Uh, this is the matchup of, like, third-string quarterbacks, potentially. And it's two yeah. franchises that are, like, you know, up there in terms of, like, viewership yeah. and likability and success. This is weird, but Denver and New England. Yeah. <laughs> I got New England. Uh, yeah, this one would have been really fun if it was Drew Locke and Cam Newton. Uh, but yeah. it doesn't sound like it's going to be that. So I got the Patriots. I'm going to take the Patriots, too, by default. You know, we just if, – if all goes wrong, pick Patriots, right? Because they always seem to find a way to win, yeah. no matter what. Um, and I think all is going to go wrong. So um, last one here, Monday night. I swear to God, does New, does New Orleans play on Monday night every week? Because uh, they're playing again this week, and it's against the Los Angeles Chargers. So we get a good look at Justin Herbert, which will be fun. Um, Drew Brees, again, little wishy-washy. Um, who do you got in this game? Which, again, has the potential to be a high-scoring affair based off the way these two offenses have played. Yeah. I don't—I'm going to look back at this. I'm curious about this primetime situation with the Saints. Because I feel like they're on primetime every single week, aren't they? They played Monday night. They got Monday night this week. They had the Sunday night game against the Packers. They had Monday night against the Raiders. Uh, I don't know what that's about. Uh, I mean, what? Yeah, the Lions game wasn't on on primetime. Anyway, uh, I think the Saints are reeling. I'm going to pick the Chargers. Now, that might be an unpopular pick. I think Herbert looks pretty darn good. And even without Eckler, I think that offense will be able to put up points. And I think I just the Saints to me, I I, I can't get on board with them this year. They I, I, Drew Brees is washed is kind of the simplest way to put it. And I think without Michael Thomas, he's even more washed. They can't really throw the ball down the field. Big plays aren't really happening unless it's Kamara breaking 74 tackles. Yep. I'm gonna go with the Chargers. So I'm gonna pick New Orleans strictly because you picked the Chargers. Because I think this one's a toss up. I don't know who's gonna win. I think this is a quarterback of which quarterback excuse me, a battle of which quarterback uh, makes less mistakes. And I'm going to bet on Drew Brees to be that guy. But I do agree with you. He does not look like he's you know, the same guy from last year or definitely not five years ago. So uh, I'm going to pick New Orleans with hesitancy. Uh, and that brings us to the end of the week of picks to get you caught up. Uh, both Drew and I went 12 and three last week in 15 nice. games. Um, I, I am now a cumulative 43 and 20. Drew is 40 and 23. So our numbers are starting to look a little bit better. Um, with each passing week. Um, but yeah, that, that's all we've got for you today. Uh, thank you as always for listening. Make sure to check out Daily Norseman and the Climbing the Pop Pocket Network. Um, putting up plenty of new content every single day on both of those um, spots on the interwebs. Um, you can find us, as always, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can watch Drew and I on YouTube if you prefer to ingest your content in that format. So, Thanks, as always, for listening to us this week, um, and we will hopefully talk to you following a Vikings win next week. Cheers.